Hey there, future friends. This week, we have some big trailer news, and we're like deep-sea fishermen because we have huge casts. This is the week of October 22nd, 2021, and you are listening to episode 220 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show yes it is that time time for another episode and we do have some big trailers that dropped and huge casts one of the bigger movies this week has a cast worth mentioning on the show that's about 25 27 ish people and you know what we also have this week is quite a few netflix movies i lied just three i just got, you know, confused and stuff. You, you know how it goes when you get older. Well, my future friends, it is a new episode of Future Flicks with Billiam. And in case you're new, let me tell you what it is I do on the show. On this show, I talk about movies, just a lot about movies because I love them. I discuss any movie news that has caught my eye since the last episode. I talk about any trailers that have come out since the last episode. In both cases, I say, hey, guess what? I am not perfect. So in case I miss something, let me know and I will talk about it in the last or in the next episode, that is. And then we talk about the movies. That's any movie that's coming to theaters or going to streaming. I break them up into two categories. The first is the limited releases. These are any movies that don't get a nationwide release or come to a major streaming service. But also they don't really catch my eye. They did, they did nothing to stand out. So I just I just say skip it. But who knows, maybe you could find something that really interests you there. And I have been wrong before. You know what? I'm probably wrong a lot when it comes to that because I don't watch as many movies as I'd like to. If I could make this my career somehow, I would watch a lot more. But anyway, we then jump into the wide releases and interesting indies. Just like it sounds, it's every nationwide release, even everything coming to Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, you know, the big four as well as any limited release movie that did catch my eye. It makes me go, hey, that looks interesting. And each week I have a pick of the week, which I say, hey, friend, if you see one movie in the theaters, this should be it. And it's always a mix between quality and how fun it would be to see it on the big screen, because there is a movie this week that I think I'm actually more interested in than the pick of the week. But the pick of the week needs a big screen while this other film doesn't it'd be perfectly fine at home and always reach out always say something always say hey billiam i saw this movie here's what i thought and i would love to hear your views on movies i would love to hear your recommendations i would love to know if you watched a movie i talked about and if my guess about it was uh, correct in your eyes because never forget this whole show is my opinion it is my opinion Although I do uh, tell you honestly what the movie's about and who's in it, 
That's fact. The news is fact and trailers are fact, but I also give you my opinion on them. Some of the uh, listeners uh, that I have talked to, some of you lovely feature friends out there that I have talked to, I know I have different tastes then. I just like to think I provide a service that even if you don't agree with me, you find it interesting finding out about all the films that are coming out. And you know what? Before we jump into the show, I do want to talk about the fact that I did see Halloween Kills. That came out last week. It was my pick of the week. And um, yeah, yeah, it was a middle movie. It was straight up a middle movie. It wasn't bad at all. It, it really wasn't. But what it felt like was that Halloween Ends was supposed to be some four or five hour long extravaganza. And the studio was like, no, 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 no. You can't do it. What we will do is we'll pull a... Hunger Games and Harry Potter and break this final thing into two and make more money that way. And the people behind the film were like, yes, okay, we will do this. We will do uh, do do as you wish. Because it felt like an incomplete film. It, it really did. It was, it was a true Michael Myers movie. It made him even more terrifying. Because if you know one of my biggest concerns with this reboot of Michael Myers and the retconning of two through eight or nine, however movies there were before the retconning of those is a fact that it takes away all of Michael's kills, except for five, technically four, but uh, there, there's a spoiler in there and I won't dive into it, but they really took away what makes Michael scary. So they're trying to up his kill count so fast in these, which I don't really mind per se, because Michael is different in these movies a little bit. But they did start with the Michael from the first one. So that, that kind of works. It just, it felt sloppy. It felt like there was a really good idea, but it didn't come to fruition. Something fell short in the storytelling process. So what we got was, was interesting. It was a, hey, it was a great slasher film, but it didn't live up to how good 2018's Halloween was. Also, I still stand by the fact that Halloween Kills is a stupid name. It, it is dumb. But this film was an hour and 45 minutes and it needed to either be longer or to completely cut out one of the side stories. Like we had the side story and again, not a spoiler of people who remember the first uh, the, the first time remembered what happened way back in the 80s. And how it affected them. And that that was a very interesting story, but it felt forgotten, kind of, because of how quickly some of it resolved. And then the overall resolution of it, I get what I get what David Gordon Green and Danny McBride were going for. I, I get it, but it just it, it didn't work. And I just want to make a quick note. So the very first scene, and a scene we saw in the trailer, so there's no spoiler again, is Michael Myers coming out of the house slaughtering a bunch of firefighters. And if you heard a story about a petition that was started to have that scene removed, it's been kind of blown out of proportion. I'm not going to read the actual statement from this person. Um, he, she, or them. I, I, I don't know. But it's the stupidest shit I have ever heard. That's a lie. I've heard a lot of stupider shit. But as, as of this very moment... <laughs> And in my mind, out of all the things in my mind right now, it is the stupidest thing currently in my mind. So this idiot wants the scene removed because Michael Myers kills firefighters. And it's wrong that Michael killed firefighters. And I wonder if this person was high. I, I really do. Because if you look it up and you read it, 
I'm not sure if this person has a full grasp of the English language. Uh, the whole thing's stupid, and it's been blown out of proportion. Uh, it's asking for 500 signatures, and it has 404. So 404, petition not found. And, you know, I'm going to move off talking about Halloween Kills, but just one more thing before then. The scene of Michael Myers killing firefighters was f***ing great, and here's why. Firefighters are heroes. They are one of the few people out there that everyone loves. Cops, pretty f***ing problematic. Doctors, they're trying to put microchips in our arms. Even our enlisted soldiers get a, a lot of hate. But firefighters are really free of all that. So showing Michael Myers slaughtering these heroes is a fantastic way to show what a true monster he is. You know, that and killing that child in the first movie. Or the first reboot, that is. So yes, if you hear about this petition, it's not that big of a deal. I think... So many people thought it was stupid that such a petition even existed, that that made more news than the actual, than people actually supporting it. You know what? I should have saved that for the news. Well, you know what? What a better time to jump into our first segment, which as always is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. My friends, let's start with our first story from Slash Film. And it's not as much news as it is just something interesting. And I just wanted to mention this. This has to do with Halloween Kills. Yes, the horror movie that came out last week. And it's not a spoiler per se, but it was nothing that was revealed in the trailers. So if you'd rather not spoil anything at all, I understand. But this has to do with a flashback. So nothing that pertains to the uh, to the story but if you don't want to spoil anything at all, just jump forward like 30 seconds. So when we see Dr. Loomis in the movie, it's not CG. It's actually practical effects. It's makeup. You can go on this article on Slash Film and check out the guy before and after and how it looks pretty damn good. Because when I watched the film, something did look slightly off. So I thought, oh, it is uh, it is CG and that's why it looks off. But no, it's because it's a real human being just with makeup. My future friends, this next story comes to us from Slash Film as well. In fact, a lot of these stories come to us from Slash Film. Do you remember when uh, back in the early 2000s, Eddie Murphy made that Haunted Mansion movie, that Disney Haunted Mansion movie? Yes, well, they're doing one again. And you may have known that already because I think I talked about it on the show. Uh, it doesn't have a set release date. Uh, it doesn't even have a set release year. It's in very, very early pre-production. But we do know that there is uh, people added to the cast. Danny DeVito is the latest person that's been added to the cast. So far, we know that Lakeith Stanfield, Tiffany Haddish, Owen Wilson, and Rosario Dawson are on the, uh, on the cast. And so now we add Danny DeVito to that. This is reportedly going to be a darker movie, and the big question is what ratio of horror to comedy is it going to be? This article does point out, if you look at the cast so far, it does lean more towards comedy with Owen Wilson, Tiffany Haddish, and Danny DeVito. But of course, Lakeith Stanfield and Rosario Dawson, a little more serious, though Dawson has done some comedy. And guess what, my friends? When we know a release date for this film, I will let you know. My future friends, you... My future friends, sometimes we have bad news, too, that isn't always related to someone passing away. This bad news comes to us in the form of Michael Bay. He is making another movie. Yes, he doesn't know when to quit, though I do wish he would. 
His new movie is called Ambulance. Uh, it has a release date and a cast. Uh, the release date is going to be February 18th, 2022, unless it too is pushed back. And the biggest names in the cast are Jake Gyllenhaal, Isaac Gonzalez, and Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. This is about a heist gone wrong, and the, they steal a getaway vehicle, and guess what? It's an ambulance. Is it going to be a Transformer? God, I hope not. If they do Transformers again, I want Michael Bay so far away from it. Because, you know, I, I do enjoy some Michael Bay films. I like a couple. But the good he's done doesn't outweigh the bad he's done. And that's not even me referring to the speculation about him doing creepy stuff that Megan Fox first said happened and then didn't happen. Or maybe she didn't even come up with it and then she defended him but called him an ass. I, I don't know. All that, who knows with that? Let's just focus on his work. Anything past the first Transformers that he did was shit. Absolute shit. They were awful movies. Six Underground was one of the worst movies I have ever seen. And just because he did The Rock, Armageddon, and Bad Boys doesn't mean shit. It's been a while since I complained about him, right? And if you don't know, a while back, a couple years ago, the somewhat nerdy website went down. And we were joking among some of us were joking amongst ourselves that maybe it was Michael Bay <laughs> coming to attack us after shooting on him for so long. But if you are a fan of his for some weird reason, good for you. You have a new movie to look forward to. Uh, this next story is an interesting show, uh, TV show story, not a movie, but something I thought I'd mention. If you were looking forward to the Why the Last Man TV show, but then got upset because FX canceled it before the end of its first season... Well, there are rumors that it could possibly find a new home at HBO Max. Will this show actually go on on HBO Max? Only time will tell. And my future friends, another story from Slash Film. This about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. No matter what your thoughts on Chris Pratt, I am looking forward to this, even though he is kind of an iffy human being. But if you heard the announcement that production has started, don't get your hopes up. James Gunn himself has come out and said, despite stories to the contrary, we haven't started shooting Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 yet, but we are pretty close. This, of course, has to do with a story I'm going to talk about a little bit later in the news. My future friends, this next story comes to us from 2Fab. Where do I find these things? Apparently, if you heard rumors about a serious onset fight between Salma Hayek and Chloe Zhao, that's both right and wrong. Apparently, they had a heated argument about a scene in the movie that I guess Salma Hayek wasn't too stoked about, but Chloe Zhao defended it, and their voices started raising, people started getting concerned, but guess what? Apparently, they both came to an understanding. Salma Hayek felt heard, and she said, I quote, I came out and I said, wow, I'm in love with her brain. That was the best creative conversation I've ever had with a director in my life, and she felt the same. She told me, wow, that was amazing. Look, I know what I've said in the past about not being super stoked for Eternals just because who the f*** are the Eternals? I can't get excited for some pe for people I don't know about. But this cast and the fact that Chloe Zhao is behind it, I am excited for. And even though I know t technically the pronunciation of Zhao is not correct, I am a dumb American who is, only knows one language, and I tried to say it the proper way, but it just sounds awful, so I'm going to say Zhao. This next story, my friends, comes to us from BGR, 
This is a story I, I mentioned when we're talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy one. Disney has delayed a ton of Marvel movies, and here are the new release dates. There's a total of 11 movies. I'm only going to mention the ones that actually have titles. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness has been delayed to May 6th of next year. Thor Love and Thunder has been delayed to July 8th next year. Black Panther Wakanda Forever has been delayed to November 11th of next year. And The Marvels has been delayed till February 17th, 2023. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania has been delayed till July 28th, 2023. And a non-Marvel title that's been delayed was Indiana Jones 5 has been delayed till June 30th, 2023. And I read the article from Variety and BGR, and none of them exactly say why it was delayed. Though, let's be honest, is anyone really surprised? COVID is still a thing, so it's it was bound to be delayed. My friends, according to Box Office Mojo, the weekend numbers for last weekend, the 15th to the 17th, came in with Halloween Kills beating No Time to Die with a nearly 50 million initial weekend, 49. 4 million. No Time to Die coming in at second place at 23.7 million for the weekend. Venom 2, 16.5. Adam's Family 2, I don't know why anyone sees it. It's garbage. 7 million. And The Last Duel, another movie I was excited for last week. Uh, 4.7 opening weekend. That is absolutely terrible. I think it would be different if they waited, but I understand that it's just going to gum everything up if you wait too long. So there is that too. Shang-Chi, sixth place, 3.3 million. But of course, that's been out for a while. And if you remember last episode, me making fun of Monster Family 2, that's 18th place with $57,500. Look, I, I, I do feel bad for these movies I shit on because people did work on it. These are people's jobs. People put effort into it. But you just got to be honest. It looked like shit. My future friends, this next story comes to us from Glamour. Yes, Glamour. Headline reads, Ryan Reynolds just announced a break from acting and Blake Lively's response was priceless. In a lengthy Instagram post, Ryan Reynolds says he's wrapped filming Spirited, which is a Christmas movie he's doing with Will Ferrell and Octavia Spencer. He did say he's going to take a sabbatical from acting, but didn't say how long it's going to be. And Blake Lively's comment was, Michael Caine did it first. With everything going on in the world, with, with all the darkness out there, and believe me, I work in retail. I This pandemic has made me hate people. I, it's been awful. People treat you like garbage. It, it's, it's just an awful time. Things like this make me smile. Things like this make me happy because they're so, they're so wholesome. Uh, these are two more people that if they were canceled somehow, it would break my heart. If you're confused as to what Blake Lively is referencing, Michael Caine said that his last role would be his last, but he has said he has since clarified that he has not retired from acting. So Ryan Reynolds taking a sabbatical. My friends, a story from Uproxx, another TV story that I thought would be interesting to say just because I know it was a very popular show, even though I never watched it. Even though I should, seeing as how... I believe Jonathan Groff is a gorgeous and talented man. But this story is that one of the directors of Mindhunter, Asif Kapadia, has said in a tweet that audiences around the world need to let Netflix know that there is a real interest and demand for season three of Mindhunter. If you make enough noise, it might actually happen. 
So yes, if you love the show, make some noise out there. And my future friends, the final story in the news is a sad one. Artist Ruth Thompson has passed away at the age of 111. 111. She was born in 1910. You would know some of her work. She worked on Snow White, Bambi, Sleeping Beauty, Popeye the Sailor, Mary Poppins, The Aristocats, Robin Hood, Winnie the Pooh and Tigger 2, The Rescuers, and the Lord of the Rings animated film from 1978. My friends, it is time for our first break, but before we jump into it, let me say that I do know that the third Ghostbusters trailer has come out, and I recorded this week's episode out of order. So by the time I'm recording this, I've already done the trailer trove. So I'm going to try to splice the the Ghostbusters one in at the end, but if it sounds a little weird, that's why. So let us take our first break as we hear word from our friends at the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Please stay tuned for the trailer trove. Imagine yourself on a journey with the somewhat nerdy radio podcast crew as we travel through forgotten realms and far-off galaxies. Your captains, the sensational Snarf Chris and the cunning Critter, constantly face an element of danger. Welcome to the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast, the bright light in the podcast sphere. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio today on iTunes and SoundCloud or stream it at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, welcome back. It is time for everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. Well, let us talk about our first trailer, which is one that I I kind of want to see, even though history tells us that it's not worth it. I... I do. I want to see this. It's called Home Sweet Home Alone. That's right. A Another Home Alone movie. This will be the sixth Home Alone movie, I think. This is directed by Dan Mazar, who was a writer for uh, everything Borat and Diali G. You know, a lot of Sasha Baron Cohen stuff. And it's being written by two Saturday Night Live people. One is Streeter Seidel, who is a writer for Saturday Night Live, but the other is Mikey Day, who's a writer and an actor on Saturday Night Live. And the cast doesn't look terrible. Uh, Pete Holmes, Ellie Kemper, the new kid is played by Archie Yates, who if you saw Jojo Rabbit, he was in that. Um, The two, actually the two uh, crooks are played by Rob Delaney and Ellie Kemper. So yes, Ellie Kemper is one of the bad guys, quote unquote, bad guys in this. It stars some other Saturday Night Live alum like Keenan Thompson and uh, Chris Parnell. Uh, Mikey Day is actually in this as well. And it looks cringy, but I think it's because uh, I think the cringe in the trailer is purposeful. That's the uh, that's the feeling I'm getting. Uh, this is coming to Disney Plus on November. Let's see, November 11th, I think on November 12th. So, yeah, keep your eyes open for that. I'll talk about it on the show later uh, in November, of course. My friends, next up, we have the second trailer for Clifford the Big Red Dog. And you may remember a while back, me making fun of, as well as, you know, telling you all to check out the pictures of this terrifying double. Check out the pictures of Clifford without CG yet, uh, if you haven't seen them. Uh, But this movie looks terrible. Absolutely terrible. 
So Clifford has been around for a long time. You and I have probably read the books when we were children. You may have seen the cartoon that was out for a while. But this movie looks like it just took the idea of a big red dog and just did whatever the f*** they wanted without taking the original the, the original books, stories into account at all because I, I felt nothing of the original uh, work. I know there are kids' books. They're just picture books. No big story. I Look, I get that. But it just felt like such a cheap cash grab. One or two scenes in the trailer made me laugh, and mainly it was due to Kenan Thompson's delivery. Uh, Kenan Thompson is in this as well as the last movie we talked about. This stars Darby Camp as uh, Clifford's owner, who you would know if you watched the Christmas Chronicle movies on Netflix or Big Little Lies. She was in a few episodes of that. Uh, 14 episodes. Oh, she was also in uh, in Nosferatu. But it just looks so bad. I, I won't say any more because I'll, I'll save it till I can talk about this on November 10th. So in like two or three more episodes, I'm guessing. But it just looks really, really bad. Now, my future friends, let's talk about a trailer that made me smile. It made me oh so happy. And this is a movie coming to a streaming service, a particular streaming service on November 18th. It's coming to Peacock, and that is called Psych 3. This is Gus. Yes, the third movie uh, post the end of the TV show Psych. And it looks so good. It looks it looks so funny. It looks so it, it's everything the show was just more of it. And I, I love that we're living in the time we do right now, because how often do we get this? One of my favorite shows of all time, Stargate SG-1. We got a couple movies. We got crossovers with Stargate Atlantis and Stargate Universe. But that was it. That was really it. Nothing more. Uh, some novelizations of the show, which aren't official canon, but that that's really it. But with Psych, we got eight seasons and now three movies. And it has been a while since I've seen the show, but I think everyone is returning for this uh, for this movie. Well, all the main characters, at least everyone from uh, Gus and Sean all the way down to McNabb. And yes, Timothy Amundsen will be in it. But we all know who this movie is for. We all know that this is for fans of Psych. And I'm guessing that there are enough of us out there that they keep doing these. So not only does the cast have fun, like if the reports are to be believed that they do have fun filming these, but people still watch it. That is fantastic. Psych has been off the air for six, seven years now, for seven years. It looks good. If you are a fan of the show, check out the trailer. And if you're a fan of the show, watch the movie when it comes out. Next up, folks, we have a trailer for a movie called The Tender Bar. It's a... Amazon Prime original coming out December 22nd, starring Ben Affleck, Christopher Lloyd, Ty Sheridan, Ron Livingston, and uh, other people too. But it's based on a memoir, so this is a biopic, kind of, about writer J.R. Moringer, I think, is uh, is how you say it. And normally I would say, who the f*** cares, who is this person? Uh, the movie does look interesting, especially seeing Christopher Lloyd again, but it, it seems like a good film. Check out the trailer. It may interest you. Okay, now that stuff is out of the way. Let's talk about the big trailers that dropped, and let's start with the smallest of the big trailers. <laughs> we got a trailer for DC League of Super Pets. Uh, this is an animated film following Crypto, a Superman's dog, and a bunch of other super pets, and they form a league and do stuff. I mean, it looks cute, and it has a good vocal cast. It has Dwayne Johnson as as Crypto. Uh, also has um, Kevin Hart, Keanu Reeves, Kate McKinnon, John Krasinski, uh, Natasha Lyonne, 
Diego Luna, Mark Marin. Uh, it's it's a pretty good cast. And you know what? Why not? F it. Why not? It, it looks cute. It's just a teaser. The official trailer is going to drop in November, so I'll talk about it then. But I mean, I'm down. I'm sold. Will I see this in theaters? No. No, I won't. Will I watch it once it comes out on streaming? Probably HBO Max. Yes, yes, I will. 100%. So we got our first teaser trailer for Shazam! Fury of the Gods, and I don't like the fact that we got this teaser trailer, because this film isn't coming out until 2023. F***ing 2023! It's in post-production right now, expected June 2nd, did you hear me the first two times? 2023! And they're already going to make us want this. The original cast is returning, and then we're adding Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu as bad guys, that is dope. And this movie has the whole family in it. So all of the, the Shazam family are, are going to be featured in this. So it's, we all know it's going to feature more of Shazam himself, but they're all going to be in it. They're all going to have their moment. And I'm down. I'm 110% down. But uh, don't tease me like this <laughs> with your teaser. Don't tease me with your teaser especially this far in advance. It's over a year and a half away. Come on. But speaking of Shazam, we got a trailer or a mini trailer. I would consider this a teaser as well for Black Adam being released on July 29th, 2022, starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And I'm so very excited. Uh, the cast that we know so far, Pierce Brosnan, uh, on, well, on top of Dwayne Johnson, Pierce Brosnan, Aldous Hodge, uh, to name the biggest people in it. And this trailer basically just shows us Black Adam being summoned from somewhere and him showing up and these people with the guns starting to shoot him and he just catches a bullet out of the air, which we've seen a million times before. But he like plucks it out of the air like you would pull a hair off, off something or, or catch one of those floating little dandelion puff things out of the air. Just like that, like, ooh, here it is. Here's the bullet that you shot at me. And he grabs this guy by the face and then electrocutes him till he becomes Ash. So many people have talked about how Robert Downey Jr. was the only person who could have played Tony Stark. We talk about how, how amazingly a lot of these films were cast. I am convinced already. I'm already convinced that Dwayne Johnson is the only one who could have played Black Adam. It's a really short teaser. It's not going to give away any spoilers. So if you are the type of person to avoid trailers because of spoilers, check this out. There's nothing there that could spoil anything. Unless you didn't know Black Adam was bulletproof or something like that. I don't know. So my friends, you may have seen that the Flash uh, teaser, it's a teaser. They say it's a trailer. It's a f***ing teaser came out. And yes, it did. This movie is expected November 4th, 2022. So a little over a year away. And it, it just like with the Black Adam trailer, it gives us just enough to be very, very excited, but doesn't really spoil anything. So we do see a couple flashes in this. Uh, and, and let's see if I can find out anything about. So I don't see anything overtly screaming at me who these other people are, but we do see another flash in this. Is it Kid Flash? Is it one of the many other flashes? Probably. This is probably a flash we know and Barry Allen. Uh, we see them outside of what we can assume is Wayne Manor because we see the back of Batman. And this looks like the old Batman suit because we know Michael Keaton is going to be in this. That is not a spoiler. We have known this for a while. And so we know that by now Flash can jump around through time and through universes and what have you. 
And we assume he goes into another timeline to see his mother, his mother who is, who is dead, his father's in jail for killing her, even though he is innocent. All common flash backstory. And so when he's in Wayne Manor and he's in the Batcave talking to Batman, we can assume that it's not Batfleck, who we know from the DCEU. It's going to be Michael Keaton's Batman because he has stepped into Tim Burton's universe. And I like how they're trying to be really coy about stuff. Like you see, you see someone pulling a tarp off of something and it's the Batmobile. It's a Batmobile. We know it is. That shape is the Batmobile from Batman and Batman Returns. And I think this trailer did a really, really, really good job because I want so much more already. I am thirsty. I am hungry. I am craving so much more than this trailer gave us. And yet I still don't, I still don't think I know anything about the plot. We know that Andy Machete is directing it, who directed the two It movies. He directed Mama. Wow, that's it. This is his, he's, his first movie was Mama. His first full-length movie movie was Mama, and he did It Chapter 1 and 2, and then this. And, and apparently he's doing the Attack on Titan movie, which I guess someone asked for, maybe? But as for the plot, we know nothing. We know it involves the, um, the Speed Force. Whether or not they're going to call it that is, is a big question. Hell, look at the MCU. They called this uh, Peter Parker's Spider-Sense the, the, the Peter Tingle, or whatever the fuck. Which is stupid, but I love it. This trailer did a, such a great job of making me want so much more, but not giving anything away. 10 out of 10 would watch again. And finally, my friends, in the trove, we have the trailer for The Batman. Yes, Matt Reeves, The Batman, with Robert Pattinson as Batman. We have Andy Serkis as Alfred, Paul Dano as the Riddler, Colin Farrell as the Penguin, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman, and I am down for that she looks good i just hope she actually dons the catwoman mask or cowl it's more of a cowl not a mask per se i hope they do show her in that and she just doesn't not wear it which would really bother me but she looks great john Turturro as carmine falcone this looks so so good and the fact that i could still potentially get batfleck in movies moving past the flash and and still get Robert Pattinson as this version of Batman is dope. And the fact that in theory they could cross over thanks to Flash makes it even better. I I am so behind this. And a TikToker and podcast host I, I follow, Jay Stubes, mentioned something that I I full fully that I wholeheartedly agree with. And that's none of the movies have really done a good enough job of showing Batman as a detective. So hopefully this will show Batman's detective work and not just him being a kick-ass vigilante. But Paul Dano is the Riddler. That looks so good. Colin Farrell is unrecognizable as the Penguin. We're going to get some awesome chase scenes. It's going to be dark. It's going to be gritty. It's going to be great. And we're going to have to wait for this greatness until it comes out next year. March 4th, 2022, but check out the trailer. We see a lot more of the Penguin. We see Paul Dano out of his suit. We see more, just more of everything. Oh, I missed someone, didn't I? Yes, I missed talking about Jeffrey Wright as as a uh, Detective Gordon or Commissioner Gordon. I, I don't know if he's a detective or commissioner in this movie. It just looks so, so good. All right, my friends, as promised, the awkwardly spliced in talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer three 
quick warning about this one. If you don't want anything spoiled or if you're very smart about figuring things out from the trailer, don't watch this trailer because I think I picked out the ending in it. And while I'm still going to love the journey from beginning to end, I'm still going to go into this movie with 100% optimism and ready to enjoy it. You may not be the same way. And that's fine because spoilers really, really bother some people. And and that's 100% your right. So I won't talk about what that scene was, but let's talk about what was new in this trailer. In this trailer, we see an opening of McKenna Grace's character, uh, Phoebe, hold like actually shooting the proton pack, and then the Ecto one flying over a uh, over a bump or something. And then we see what looks like a scene that takes place before. What I'm guessing is this is going to be the intro to the movie. We see someone, you can't quite see them, in a truck with a blinking ghost trap next to them. And I'm assuming that this is a scene from the past setting up the movie, that this is Egon, that one of the demon dogs is inside it. Because as we put together from the original two trailers, when we see McKenna Grace pull a ghost trap out of the floor, why would Egon go through so much trouble to hide that? There's a demon dog in there, probably. Or terror dog. I'm sorry. I'm, re- I'm reading this book th- all about the making of Ghostbusters, and I keep forgetting they're called terror dogs, not demon dogs. Terror dogs. And fun fact, Slimer, before he was called Slimer, was called Onion Head, and he was dubbed Slimer in the real Ghostbusters cartoon. Fun fact there. You take that. You use that at parties, and you'll be super cool. Trust me. So we see this scene. We see the truck crash, and then it goes back to McKenna Grace, who's asking her mom, hey, mom, what kind of a what kind of scientist was grandpa? And she the mom kind of looks a little. Ooh, I'm not sure if I should tell her. And then we see more familiar scenes like Paul Red in the classroom and going, oh, this is a real ghost trap, blah, blah, blah. And about half of the trailer, half to 75 percent of the trailer is recut stuff, which I kind of like to see in a trailer. You know how I am. I would like to spoil as little as possible, but also wet my appetite. So each time you release a new trailer, put a little bit more in there, but just recut it. So I'm not bored. We see the mini stay puffed marshmallow men. Again, we see Paul Rudd walking through Walmart. This time we see the terror dog in Walmart. We see an extended scene of Phoebe in the gunner seat of the Ecto one with, Oh, what's his character's name behind the, behind the wheel. Uh, Finn Wolfhard's character, Trevor behind the wheel. And them chasing what kind of looks like Slimer. I hope it's not because it looks so different. I hope it's just another type of phantasm thing. And then scenes of Paul Rudd running from the terror dog. In there was that scene where I think I can figure out how the ending is going to go. I hope it's not. I hope they weren't that sloppy. Because what I think someone did, if they were that sloppy, what I think happened was that someone just took that scene go, oh, this is very bright and very flashy and very awe-inducing. So they just cut it into there, left the context out. But anyone who knows the Ghostbusters mythos will go, okay, I I get this. I 100% get this. But next month, uh, uh, one month away from the day I'm recording this, I'm recording this, this part of the show on October 19th, comes out November 19th, and I am going to be in the theater watching this opening day, openly weeping and I won't even be drunk. I will be crying big, ugly tears because I'm so happy for more Ghostbusters. 
Well, my feature friends, that's it for the trailer trove. Let us take our next break as we hear word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. And we'll be right back with the limited release movie. Stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy fucking language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that, a jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Once again, if this episode sounds weird, I 100% recorded everything out of order. But let's talk about things that are in order, and that is the limited release section. That's in order. Fun fact there. The first movie in the limited section is called The Subject. This movie is about a successful white filmmaker as he deals with the fallout from his last film which caught the murder of a black teen on tape while he shoots a new documentary series for a major network someone films his every move threatening his idyllic life this stars jason biggs from american pie on john way ellis from undercover brother annabella costa from quantico and cara patterson from straight out of compton this movie did have promise but the trailer just made it look boring, and I could not get behind it. Next up, we have one called Every Last One of Them. A man looking for his missing daughter, but his search uncovers a larger conspiracy involving a Chinatown derail big capitalism deal over water rights. I don't even know what that means. Now that I think about it, I don't even know what that means. So a conspiracy involving a Chinatown derail big capitalism deal. That's just a bunch of buzzwords someone threw together right there. The stars Richard Dreyfuss from Mr. Holland's Opus, Jack Weber from Medium, the TV show, and Taryn Manning from Orange is the New Black. And don't get excited about seeing Richard Dreyfuss again, because I feel like this is one of those films that has someone famous in it, but only for a little bit. And you can tell they filmed their scenes completely apart from everyone else, so they didn't have to be there long. That's a feeling I'm getting. Next up, we have a film called No Future. After the tragic overdose of his estranged friend, Will, a recovering addict, returns home where he is reunited with Claire, his friend's grieving mother, with whom he begins a secret but volatile affair. This stars Catherine Keener from Get Out, Charlie Heaton from Stranger Things, Rosa Salazar from Alita Battle Angel, Jefferson White from Yellowstone, Austin Emilio from The Walking Dead, and Jackie Earl Haley from Watchmen. This movie is a perfect reminder that my own biases come into play a big deal on this show because it is my show. That's why I do say, hey, sometimes you may find a movie you might love in the limited section, but I don't put in the wide releases and interesting indie section because I I wouldn't be able to say much about it because I don't care. Uh, drug movies have always made me super, super uncomfortable. But with that aside, this does have a good cast. Catherine Keener, Charlie Heaton, that sounds really good. Rosa Salazar, fan of hers. So hey, it may be worth checking out. Next up, we have one called The Estate, 
when the spoiled son and newest wife of a billionaire patriarch plot to murder him, they form a psychosexual bond with their brutally handsome hitman as they kill and kill and kill in their quest for wealth and recognition. This stars Eliza Koop from Happy Endings, Ezra Buzzington from The Hills Have Eyes, and Eric Roberts from Runaway Train. Let's talk about Rhapsody of Love, the next film up in this part of the show. Romance, work, and life all collide when a wedding planner and a wedding photographer meet and ignite sparks in this uplifting Asian-Australian romantic comedy. This stars no one of note, and it's from Australia, and it features Asians, if you couldn't tell from that synopsis. And you know me, normally I'd be all over something like this. Okay, has Asians in it? I'm down. And at first I was interested, like for the first maybe quarter of the trailer, and then I just got more and more bored, and I cared less and less. And by the end of the trailer, I just wanted it to be over. I was so happy to see the end of that trailer. I mean, it did have promise, but it fell a little short. And finally, in the limited release section, we have a movie called Warning. This is about the meaning of life explored through multiple interconnected lives set in the near future. This stars Thomas Jane from Deep Blue Sea, Rupert Everett from My Best Friend's Wedding, Alice Eve from She's Out of My League, James D'Arcy from Dunkirk, Patrick Schwarzenegger from Midnight Sun, and Annabelle Wallace from Annabelle. And we have another film, the second film in a row that I could have been very interested in that usually make it on the other side of the uh, invisible line in this show. I love sci-fi and I love original sci-fi. I love non-original sci-fi too. You, you know me, I will gladly watch a reboot. But a interesting new idea, sign me up, but it looks so broken and haphazard and I don't believe for a minute for a single f***ing minute of that trailer that any of these stories were interconnected, and it just seemed like a huge mess. And my friends, technically this is the end of the limited section, but I'm going to mention a movie that last week made it in the wide releases, but it's getting a streaming release now that's introducing Selma Blair coming to Discovery Plus this week. So if you have Discovery Plus, which of course you do, how else do you watch all of your Guy Fieri shows like I do? You know, quick aside, I don't trust people who don't like Guy Fieri. Well, who hate him. If you just don't like his shows, that's fine. I get it. But there are people who are so against him, I don't trust them. The man is so kind and giving, always donating to charities and doing good deeds. It's like, if you don't like him, I don't trust you. But back to something really sad. Introducing Selma Blair coming to Discovery Plus this week. If you don't remember, it's a deeply intimate and raw portrait of Selma Blair after she is diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and tries to slow the progression of her disease. So this is a documentary about her life and it looks painful. And that's not just me saying, oh, multiple sclerosis looks like it sucks. This, I can't wrap my mind around it. I think I have to watch this. I'm pretty sure I do have to watch this, but I think it's going to be brutal. I think it's going to be absolutely devastating to watch. And part of me is thinking, if I was going through something like that, I would never film that shit. But at the same time, I think that's very, very brave because she's showing herself at her weakest and at her strongest, you know, and showing it to the world. And it's not only sharing her story, but raising awareness about a disease that is not very well known. 
not by science and stuff, but I mean by people. Who knows what multiple sclerosis is? So yes, it looks good, it looks brutal, and it's coming out on streaming this week. Well, my future friends, that is it for this part of the show. Let us take our final break as we hear a word from our friends at We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa, and we'll be right back with the rest of the wide releases and interesting indies. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're We're doing doing fine. fine. Alright everyone, we're back with the wide releases and interesting indies in our first film, which is a Netflix original and the first of three Netflix originals, and it is called Found, the story of three American teenage girls, each adopted from China, who discover they are blood-related cousins on 23andMe. Their online meeting inspires the young women to confront the burning question they have about their lost history. This is a documentary, and it does sound interesting. I mean, this this is a big thing, isn't it? I mean, it's it's always made headlines when someone go, goes and finds uh, their long lost adopted or the long lost mother who put them up for adoption because she couldn't or care for them or or whatever the reason. But also, adopting kids from another country sometimes for families is just so much easier because. It's so hard to adopt a kid in America. You have to jump through so many hoops and it costs a ton of money. And while I kind of get it with the fact that you just don't want anyone adopting kids because like you don't know what kind of environment you put the kid in, but that also inhibits children who need homes from getting homes. But these uh, three uh, girls born in China, raised in America, all find out their cousins and go in search of answers. It does look interesting. It also looks well done. But again, this is a documentary. And we all know what the deal of documentaries are. It it depends if you personally are interested in the topic. For me, I'm torn because I'm not terribly interested in this topic, but it does look good. So if you're passionate about adoption or the stories of finding your long-lost family, check this out. It's an easy one to just sit down and watch because everyone has Netflix. Found gets a 6.5 out of 11. Next up, we have a movie called Stuck Together. This is the second of the three Netflix originals. And when Paris goes into lockdown during the pandemic, the quirky residents of an apartment building must adjust to a new life and to one another. This stars Ivan Atal from Rush Hour 3, and it's a movie from France. Look, my friends, if you've been listening for a while... And if I have any longtime listeners still, uh, I'd be stoked. But you may remember once or twice I have mentioned, or, you know, a hundred times I have mentioned the fact that I have a choppy history with French films. It's really about 50-50 with the films I've seen that I've either liked and really liked or hated beyond doubt, like just hated. So I always find them to be hit or miss. And it has nothing to do with France and everything to do with the fact that We're not going to get every movie released in a country. It's just not going to happen. We're going to get specific ones. So I bet you if you're actually in France, the uh, the 
ratio of good to bad movies is just like it is here in America. I bet it's the same everywhere. But the ones that actually make it across the pond, in my oh-so-humble opinion, fall into that special breed of either, wow, this is really good and worth my time, or why the f*** did I watch this? This one, um... You know, now that I think about it, probably the advent of streaming and Netflix and Hulu and stuff branching out is probably going to make my that little rule I have uh, obsolete soon. But this doesn't look bad. It, it really doesn't. But it also didn't look good enough to make me put it into the back of my mind to watch later. The trailer had its moments. Uh, I did laugh a couple times. It looks quirky and weird. And also looks a little boring too. some of the scenes. I'm like, why, why would you even introduce this into the trailer? It doesn't make any sense. But this seems like a a medium risk movie because you may be watching it for free because you already pay for Netflix. So you don't have to go out of your way. You don't have to leave your house and buy a movie ticket. But also it looks eh, it just looks OK because we have these people. One's a one seems like a huge germaphobe and one Seems like he just totally doesn't care, and you, you it seems like you run the gamut in this of people's reactions to COVID, and then how they finally get to know each other. This definitely has promise, but I'm not sure if, I, if I'll risk it. Stuck Together gets a 5 out of 11. And you know what? Let's just wrap up the Netflix films with the final one called Night Teeth. A college student moonlighting as a chauffeur picks up two mysterious women for a night of party hopping across L.A. But when he uncovers their bloodthirsty intentions and their dangerous shadowy underworld, he must fight to stay alive. This stars George Lendenborg Jr. from Bumblebee, Debbie Ryan from Insatiable, Lucy Fry from Vampire Academy, Raul Castillo from Atypical, and Alfie Allen from Game of Thrones. This movie is a little bit more of a safer bet than the other two because this is the Halloween season and it is about vampires and someone trying to get away from vampires. So it has the seasonal aspect going for it. It has a it has a good cast. I mean, I'm not terribly familiar with them except for well, actually anyone. I'm not terribly familiar with anyone. I've seen them all in one or two things. And you know what? They were fine. And it looks funny and self-aware. You you get the feeling from watching this trailer that they're not trying to take themselves seriously. They're not like, oh, this is going to be the new hotness. Everyone loves vampires, right? No, it feels like the people behind this know exactly that it is going to be a risk that people aren't going to see the trailer and be super excited. This is the kind of movie they watch or you and I may sit down and watch going, you know what? I am in the mood for something new, something spooky themed, something that'll fit the season. Why not watch this? Let's give it a try. What do we have to lose besides, uh, let's see what the runtime is. An hour and 47 minutes. Who doesn't have an hour and 47 minutes to spare? So this is the most season worthy movie of the week. And you can watch it on Netflix in the comfort of your own home. So why not give it a try? Night, Night Teeth gets a seven out of 11. All right, my friends, let's talk about the next film, which is called The Electrical Life of Lewis Wayne. This is the first nationwide release of the week, the first of four. And it's about English artist Lewis Wayne, who rises to prominence at the end of the 19th century for his surreal cat paintings. This stars Booberry Milk Crunchy Bones from Doctor Strange, Claire Foy from The Crown, Taika Waititi from Jojo Rabbit, 
Amy Lou Wood from Sex Education, Andrea Riceborough from Oblivion, Olivia Coleman from The Crown, and Sophia DiMartino from Loki. Yes, the female Loki variant is in this. Yay, we like her. You may remember me talking about the trailer. It looks fine. I mean, this looks like a good movie, but here is my main concern. Here is my main concern. The next three movies, the next three movies I'm going to talk about, guarantee that this movie is going to get absolutely no love in theaters. And this is what we're going to see, really, in, in the next year or two, maybe one year, is that we have films that have been postponed and postponed and postponed and they're starting to get released now and also films that had always set to come out around this time. And so we're going to have these films that normally would have maybe had a mediocre reception, but because they're going up against such big stuff that they're going to get destroyed. The main pick this week, the main movie, the Actually, the main two movies, I think, have been pushed back. I don't think... Well, I know for sure uh, Dune is coming out this week. I, I know that it was pushed back, that this was not the original release date. So I bet you when the people behind The Electrical Life of Lewis Wayne chose their release date, they went, oh, nothing huge here. Just a couple smaller movies. Jesus Christ, Dune came. It finally came, and they're going to destroy us. Because we do have to keep something in mind, that... Maybe the group of people who would be interested in a movie like this, a movie that I wouldn't necessarily call artsy, but it's not a big budget blockbuster sci-fi film. Those two films don't have the same audience, not necessarily. There's going to be crossovers. If you're anything like me, you would see both. But there is another movie coming out this week that more cinephile type people, you know, hoity-toity noses in the air folk, would probably rather see than Dune, that would completely crush this film too. So I do feel bad for it. I feel bad because as the time progresses, as we're catching up with the backlog of stuff and stuff in production starting to come out, we're going to see this more and more. That normally in a year, a smaller movie can place itself between like Marvel or something big budget, like place themselves between these so they get at least a little love, but now it's going to be much, much harder. But let's talk about this film. Bumper Car's Cherry Picker is a good actor. We know this. Uh, he, he can act super well. And the best thing is, it doesn't look like there's anything controversial about this role. Because he's played Khan in Star Trek, a sick character played by a white man, and once that Western-ish movie comes out, he'll have played gay characters not once, but twice as a cisgendered white man. But we can't ignore the fact that he's talented and seems like a good guy. So with this film, there's nothing automatically kind of cringy about it. It has a good cast. F***ing Taika Waititi. Amazing. And I'm a big Olivia Coleman fan. And to me, this seems like one of those movies like Big Eyes. If you remember Big Eyes with, I think it was Amy Adams and Christoph Waltz. I, I think they were in it. I knew nothing about that artist. Uh, let, you know, let's look it up. I forgot her name. Yes, it's Amy Adams and Christoph Waltz from 2014. And she plays Margaret Keene, uh, ex-wife of Walter Keene, both artists. Uh, she's known for painting these uh, these kids with big bright eyes i knew f all about her 
before the movie. I'd never seen, maybe I had seen her work and I just didn't know, but I knew nothing about her. But I watched a film was a good film. It's the same thing with this. Who the f*** is Lewis Wayne? I have no clue. But I just Googled some of his art and it is adorable. But I bet you this is a fine movie. It, it seems like there's nothing wrong with it that's going to be enjoyable. It's going to be well acted. It's going to be an interesting story. But just like Conor McGregor in anything he does, it's not going to go well. The Electrical Life of Lewis Wayne gets a 6.5 out of 11. All right, my friends, three movies left. And the next one we're going to talk about is called Ron's Gone Wrong. It's getting an this is getting a nationwide release, and it's the story of Barney, an awkward middle schooler, and Ron, his new walking, talking, digitally connected device. Ron's malfunctions set against the backdrop of the social media age launch them on a journey to learn about true friendship. Oh, cute. This features the voices of Jack Dylan Grazier, Zach Galifianakis, Ed Helms, Olivia Coleman again, Rob Delaney, Justice Smith, and Kylie Cantrell. I remember talking about this in the trailer trove. This is an animated movie from 20th Century Studios, formerly 20th Century Fox, now owned by Disney. Disney's still using 20th Century Studios, but just took the Fox name out of it. But it's about this kid whose family can't, uh, you know, can't afford the best things. And everyone at school has this new kind of little robot buddy that follows him around that's a super smartphone and has artificial intelligence and it's super great. Everyone wants one. He doesn't have one because he's poor. Boo to being poor. And one day his father gets one. It's secondhand, but he gets one. Yay, everything's better. He can be cool now. But guess what? He can't be cool now because his is up. It does not work like the others. In fact, it's an embarrassment and it causes him some problems. Oh, no. But just like the trail, but just like the premise said, they're going to learn about true friendship. Look, there have been some really, really good animated movies recently, and not just from Disney or Pixar. You know, we can't forget Into the Spider-Verse, f***ing dope, one of the best movies ever. The Mitchells versus the Machines from the same company, and Lego Movie from the same company, Sony Pictures Animations. Uh, we have the Hotel Transylvania movies, we have Shrek, we have, uh, Shrek's been around for a while, Kung Fu Panda, been around for a while, but same thing. But then we have other movies that are more like this that are more basic. And a lot of those movies I just mentioned do have basic kid movie stories, like finding the strength within yourself, uh, learning some important lesson, but they also hide it with an, not really hide it, but they present it with an interesting story that makes it somehow seem different where this one seems like it's trying too hard and it's being a little too on the nose with its social media-ness. I mean, not as bad as the Emoji Movie did. So thank God it's not that hot mess. But this movie just looks highly predictable. Uh, it looks like it might make you laugh a couple times. But other than that, it looks like it's it looks like it's skippable. That if you don't see it, you are not missing anything. And if you do see it and like it, well then cool. Good on you. Honestly, though, if you do watch it and like it, that's great. But if if you miss this movie, if you don't see it, I don't think you'll wonder in the future oh i wonder if that movie was ever any good you'd be asking that for into the spider-verse i guarantee you and i kind of put this in the same vein as emoji movie as ugly dolls that was the other one or trolls where it seems just stupid and 
the only reason you should go see it is if you have kids who want to see it. Take them out, let them enjoy it. That's great. Do that. But for the rest of us, it looks like a hard pass. Ron's Gone Wrong gets a 5.5 out of 11. Two films left, my friends. Two films left. And let's talk about the next nationwide release, which is called The French Dispatch. A love letter to journalists set in an outpost of an American newspaper in a fictional 20th century French city that brings to life a collection of stories published in the French Dispatch magazine. This has a huge cast, so stick with me. It's a lot of people. And you want some feedback would be would be appreciated. I have just always done it this way, where I said the actor, then what they're from. If you don't like that, or you think it's too tedious, or you don't care, let me know. Even when I had more listeners, I got so little feedback that if I heard something, I'd be like, yes, we'll try it. So this stars in random order, Lea Seydoux from The Lobster, Timothy Chalamet from Call Me By Your Name, Christoph Waltz from Inglorious Bastards, Owen Wilson from The Royal Tannenbaums, Jeffrey Wright from Broken Flowers, Saoirse Ronan from The Lovely Bones, Adrian Brody from The Pianist, Elizabeth Moss from The Handmaid's Tale, Tilda Swinton from Snowpiercer, Leave Schreiber from The Manchurian Candidate, Willem Dafoe from The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou, Edward Norton from Moonrise Kingdom, Bill Murray from Ghostbusters, Rupert Friend from The Death of Stalin, Benicio Del Toro from Traffic, Francis McDormand from Fargo, Fisher Stevens from Short Circuit, Henry Winkler from Happy Days, Jason Schwartzman from The Darjeeling Unlimited, Matthew Amalric from The Grand Budapest Hotel, Lina Kodri from The Blessed, Steve Park from Falling Down, Lois Smith from Twister, Cecile de France from The Hereafter, Guillermo Guinet or something from Marie Antoinette, Tony Rivolori from Spider-Man Homecoming, Bob Balaban from Gosford Park, and the voice of Angelica Houston from The Witches. God, if I counted right, that's 29 people worth mentioning. And why, you may ask, are so many people in this film? It's a Wes Anderson movie. That's why everyone wants to work with Wes Anderson. And this is one of those movies because Wes Anderson is one of those directors where you know right away if this is anything you're going to be even remotely interested in. Did you like Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, The Royal Tannenbaums, Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou, The Darjeeling Unlimited, The Fantastic Mr. Fox, Moonrise Kingdom, The Grand Budapest Hotel, The Isle of Dog? Then you'll like this. Probably. Did you hate what? Did you hate a few or more of those movies? Then you can probably skip this, because these movies have huge, huge ensemble casts. Wes Anderson's next film, Asteroid City, set to come out in 2022. They hope. So far, it's still in pre-production, but so far has a, a buzzworthy cast of 14 people. But what is this movie actually about? This is one of those films that's a grouping of interwoven short stories. At least that's why I get from the trailer. That some of these people will be in their own movies or their own little parts of the movies and it's all going to get interwoven all together through the French Dispatch. Because if you remember what the premise says, set in a fictional 20th century French city that brings to life a collection of stories published in the French Dispatch magazine. So a good number of these actors in this may never have a scene with one another, but they're all tied together through this magazine. And do you remember what I said about the electrical life of Lewis Wayne? That could have been the movie people wanted to see if they didn't want to see a big 
budget sci-fi movie. Then they go, oh, I don't want to see that. I'm too good for that. Let's go watch this movie with Booby Ditch Cracker Barrel. That'll be so much better. But the new Wes Anderson film is coming out. The new Wes Anderson film is coming out. He is a darling of the cinephile squad. Out of all the films coming out this week, Dune, The French Dispatch, and Ron's Gone Wrong is going to get all the attention, all the others, except for the Netflix ones. Let's be honest. People want to watch stuff at home. The French Dispatch does look really, really good. But let's be honest. A film like this doesn't need to be seen in theaters. I, I, I'm not sure if I've ever caught a Wes Anderson film in theaters. Let me look. Let me look. You know what? I have never caught a Wes Anderson film in theaters. And I like Wes Anderson films. I think they're great. I don't think I'm going to miss out on anything. And I never once felt like I missed out by not seeing it in theaters. It's perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine to wait for this film, to watch it later, to either just own it and watch it at home or to wait for it to come to some streaming service. That's perfectly fine because we have something more important this week that the theater is going to be the best vessel for your enjoyment. The French Dispatch looks really good good and it gets a nine out of 11 all right my friends let's wrap this up with dune yes we all knew it i i you know i usually try and play coy like what's the pick of the week who knows it was dune it's always going to be dune it's going to be fucking dune dune is getting a nationwide and hbo max release though i heard it was filmed for imax so guess what if you're ever going to go out and see a film in theaters it should be something like this This is the feature adaptation of Frank Herbert's science fiction novel about the son of a noble family entrusted with the protection of the most valuable asset and most vital element in the galaxy. This stars Timothy Chalamet from Lady Bird, Rebecca Ferguson from Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, Oscar Isaac from Star Wars The Last Jedi, Jason Momoa from Justice League, Stellan Skarsgård from Mamma Mia, Stephen McKinley Henderson from Fences, Josh Brolin from No Country for Old Men, Javier Bardem from No Country for Old Men, Sharon Duncan Brewster from Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, Chen Chang from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Dave Bautista from Guardians of the Galaxy, David Desmalchin from The Suicide Squad, yes, Polka Dot Man, Zendaya from The Greatest Showman, Charlotte Rampling from Never Let Me Go, Babs, Babs Olusanmokun from Roots, and Golda Rochelvo from Bridgerton. She plays the queen in Bridgerton the queen uh this imdb list i think is in order in which they appear because they're they're because i'm reading the book and it's the order that they appear in the book i I think this film looks beautiful it does it looks so good it looks so amazing it looks like the kind of film if you watch an imax it blows your fucking mind you know i don't think i've on Michael Bay enough this episode. So Transformers The Last Night had a budget of $217 million. Uh, it has ranged from $217 to $160 million. Dune has a had a budget of $165 million. Dune, Dune almost had a 25% smaller budget than the last Transformers film. And the last Transformers film looked like hot garbage, and this looks like beautiful, beautiful art. In just recording this little part, I've paused a million times, because I've been gushing about this film ever since the first trailer came out. 
And I, I'm really struggling on what to say now. I've been talking about this film for so long that anything I can say, I've said a million times before. This is a fantastic cast. This is a fantastic cast. And how many times already have I said it looks beautiful? It looks f***ing beautiful. Uh, one of my friends at work put it the perfect way. We finally have the technology to make Dune look like it should have back in the 80s. Don't get me wrong, I love the original Dune. It's a great film. And that film is always going to be great for nostalgia and 80s quality. It really is. But this film is already set to be a better representation of the book. And that is because it's supposed to be a two-part film. If what I've heard so far is true, this is the first of two parts. The second part was not greenlit. And there was no agreement for two parts, but the director, whose name I still don't know how to pronounce, I, I've been saying Dennis Villanueva, but now I realize I've been pronouncing it wrong, Villanueva or whatever, or Villanueva, him, the director, balls to the wall, released this and went, yeah, it's going to be so f***ing dope that I'm going to get that second movie. And I hope that's true, because Dune is a huge book. It's not the biggest I've read, but it's a huge book, and it deserves two films. If I remember right in the book, Paul Atreides is supposed to be 15, I think. Timothy Chalamet, older than 15, but he's pretty damn good for the role. This cast is damn good. It, I'm going to say it again, it looks so good. It looks so, so good. When I first heard they were remaking Dune, I went, yeah, cool. Okay, I'll watch it. First trailer came out. Oh, this looks really good. Next trailer came out. Oh my God. Next one came out. I need this already. And I kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And fuck, fuck. When's it ever coming out? Now it is. It's here. And you know what? I waited too long to read the goddamn book because I am not even a quarter through it. So I can't watch the movie until I read the book. I'm so angry with myself. But it's finally here and it looks great. This is the same director that brought us Prisoners, that brought us Sicario. And whether or not you liked the story, our rival looked great. Blade Runner 2049, probably the best sequel we were ever going to get. Oh, if what I'm seeing here is right, part two has already been greenlit and it's in early pre-production. F***ing great. Look, I'm rambling now. You know I am blown away by this and I can't wait. You know this. And if you've seen the same trailers I have, I don't see how anyone can't be excited for this film. It looks super good. This is the pick of the week. If you see anything in theaters this week, this is it. If you're not interested in it, that's fine. We all have our own tastes. You have the French Dispatch. But for the rest of us, we can watch that at home and watch Dune in theaters. If you have HBO Max, can you watch it at home? Yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, why not? Really? We got to be safe, right? But the theaters are calling for you for Dune. Dune Part 1 gets an 11 out of 11. All right, my future friends, sorry if this episode went a little long. I haven't started editing yet, but I think it's going to be a long one. So uh, sorry about that. And I will see you next week when we talk about more movies. But I will tell you what, it is time to send you along your way with a closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. 
And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.